Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali and I, are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Hello, everyone. We're back in the book of Exodus. We're going to be jumping back in in this battle between the gods. God is taking in, taking on all these Egyptian gods, and we're going to see uh, some examples of compromise. Compromise uh, that Pharaoh was trying to reach with Moses uh, so he wouldn't have to let the people go or so he wouldn't have to let them go very far. And it's a, and it's a message of compromise for us today. God is sovereign over all the earth and anything that we might worship today, and He's asking us to, just like He asked Pharaoh. We don't want to compromise God's Word. And uh, so we'll jump right in, chapter 8, verse 6. So Aaron stretched his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. So this is the second plague on Pharaoh, the frogs, because he wouldn't let the people go. Verse 7, But the magicians did the same thing by their secret arts and made frogs come up on the land of Egypt. Now, whether this is um, they were doing some kind of a trick or um, illusion, or as McGee says, this might have been the hand of Satan uh, working in these secret arts, um, giving them knowledge, giving them some kind of power. Um, but in any event, their Egyptian magicians were able to make frogs come out of the, the Nile. Of course, we're going to see they can't control uh, their magic tricks. God will be able to show his complete sovereignty. And again, frogs... Um, just like the Nile River before in the first plague, the second plague being the frogs, these are holy things. These are things that um, the Egyptians worshipped, and now God is turning each one of their holy things into something detestable. So there's a bit of ironic humor in this as well. Um, then, verse 8, Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, Plead with the Lord to take the frogs from me and my people, and I will let the people go and sacrifice to the Lord. So in a sense, Pharaoh is pleading to take away all these holy frogs from us because in the end, they're just frogs. 
Verse 9, Moses said to Pharaoh, Be pleased to command me when I am to plead for you and your servants and for your people, that the frogs may be cut off from you and your houses and be left only in the Nile. And he said, this is Pharaoh said, tomorrow. Okay, so Pharaoh's basically saying, tomorrow you're going to do this thing. Get rid of these frogs. Moses said, be it as you say so, that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. Verse 11, the frogs shall go away from you and your houses and your servants and your people. They shall be left only in the Nile. Verse 12, so Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried to the Lord about the frogs as he had agreed with Pharaoh. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. The frogs died out in the houses and the courtyards and the fields. And they gathered them together in heaps, and the land stank. So in other words, the Egyptians had to clean it all up. And my study Bible says it really drives home a message probably to everyone in Egypt that they were having to do all this because of Pharaoh's disastrous refusal to heed the warnings and the plagues. Okay, so the people are probably turning against Pharaoh just because of this. Verse 15, but when Pharaoh saw that there was a respite, he hardened his heart and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. So in other words, the Lord knew he would harden his heart. Verse 16, Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the earth so that it may become gnats in all the land of Egypt. And they did so. Aaron stretched out his hand with his staff and struck the dust of the earth, and there were gnats on man and beast, and all the dust of the earth became gnats in all the land of Egypt. The magicians tried by their secret arts to produce gnats, but they could not. So there were gnats on man and beast. Then the magician said to Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. So now you've got even people who don't believe acknowledging God. This really reminds me of the story of Jonah and the whale. Remember, Jonah was the only one who wasn't listening to God's word. It seemed like everybody around him was acknowledging God. Even when the storm was so bad and the sailors were throwing everything overboard and they were all terrified, they went down and found Jonah sleeping in the you know, the bottom of the boat, and they were scared to death. They said, please pray to your God, you know, that he might save us. They were acknowledging God's power, and Jonah wasn't. Jonah was down there hiding from God. So here we go. Even the magicians are acknowledging God's power. The people who are probably having to clean up the frogs in the last plague, they were probably acknowledging God. But Pharaoh wouldn't. 
Verse 20, Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning and present yourself to Pharaoh as he goes out to the water, and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go that they may serve me. Or else if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants and your people and into your houses and the houses of the Egyptians shall be filled with swarms of flies and also the ground on which they stand. But on that day, I will set apart the land of Goshen. That's where the Egyptians, I mean, the Hebrews were living in the land of Goshen. And we, as we saw back in Genesis, this is the land that uh, Pharaoh, the other earlier Pharaoh, had given to Joseph, given to Jacob and his family who had to honor Joseph. So we'll set apart the land of Goshen where my people dwell so that no swarms of flies shall be there. That you shall know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. Thus I will put a division between my people and your people. Tomorrow this sign shall happen. So he does a couple things. He puts a division between the Egyptians and, and God's people. He tells them that. And he, get, and he says, tomorrow this sign shall happen. So in other words, he kind of answers back. Because Pharaoh said in the last plague, he was telling, um, or one of the earlier plagues with the frogs, he said, you know, talk to your God tomorrow. So now God's sort of answering like, this is going to happen tomorrow. He kind of almost mocks Pharaoh's words. But again, flies uh, were sacred, but now he's put some in the gnat was sacred too, believe it or not. But he's put so many of them, he creates something detestable out of the Egyptian gods. Verse 24, And the Lord did so. There came great swarms of flies into the house of Pharaoh and into his servants' houses. Throughout all the land of Egypt, the land was ruined by the swarms of flies. What a disaster that was. Verse 25, Then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, Go, sacrifice your God in the land. So in other words, he's trying to compromise. He's trying to say, Go, make your sacrifices, but don't leave the land. And McGee says, don't we have so much compromise in the church today? The church is sort of tempted to live within the land, to live within the world, you know, to be tolerant of the worldly practices. And sometimes you don't even real, you don't even see a difference between the church and the world because the church sort of takes up all these worldly habits. But God's saying, no, no compromise. There's a distinction here between my people and the world's people, your people. And he's calling them to be separate from the world. Go three days. Don't be in this land when you worship me. That's what he's telling Christians today. Be heaven bound. Don't live in the world. Verse 26, but Moses said it would not be right to do so. For the offerings we shall sacrifice to the Lord our God are an abomination to the Egyptians. If we sacrifice offerings abominable to the Egyptians before their eyes, will they not stone us? So Moses is giving a practical answer. Then verse 27, We must go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he tells us. 
So Moses is, is saying no, no compromises here. And look, Moses is getting his self-confidence. He's getting his mojo, his Moses Joe. huh? He's getting his mojo right now because there's no compromise. This is coming from a man who was scared earlier. How many of us would be able to say no, no compromise? Verse 28, so Pharaoh said, I will let you go sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. It's kind of a maybe a subtle put down. If you want to go out in the crazy wilderness, you, I will let you do that. Only you must not go very far away. Plead for me. Then Moses said, behold, you know, he's trying to do a little put down. Like you can go out in the wilderness if you want to, but don't go very far away. He's trying to have a little bit of a, uh, of a command. I'm going to let you go, but I'm commanding you, don't go very far away. So, plead for me. Then Moses said, and he doesn't even say, ask your God. He just says, plead for me. Then Moses said, behold, I am going out from you, and I will plead with the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people tomorrow. Only let not Pharaoh cheat again by not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. So Moses is calling him out on cheating. Pharaoh is trying to he he's he's trying to let him go without admitting defeat, but he's telling him he's trying to compromise to not go very far because you know please come back. He doesn't say it, but he wants the people. He still wants these people to be servants. It's getting weird here. Pharaoh's not even, he's still, he's, he's trying to tell him he's going to let him go, but he can't let go. If he completely lets him go, he admits defeat. If he completely lets him go, he admits that these people have something he doesn't have. Verse 30, so Moses went out from Pharaoh and prayed to the Lord, and the Lord did as Moses asked and removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. Not one remained. God's hand is complete, isn't it? Verse 32, but Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also and did not let the people go. Now we come to chapter 9. The fifth plague. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go and still hold them, behold, the hand of the Lord will fall with a very severe plague upon your livestock that are in the field, the horses, the donkeys, the camels, the herds, and the flocks. But the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt, so that nothing of all that belongs to the people of Israel shall die. And the Lord set a time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. And the next day the Lord did this thing. All the livestock of the Egyptians died, but not one of the livestock of the people of Israel died. Verse 7, And Pharaoh sent, and behold, not one of the livestock of Israel was dead, but the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people go. So, it's interesting. 
Pharaoh sent somebody out to check. He's trying to, he is concerned. And he's, and he's wondering now, could this be? Could the Lord really protect their livestock, but not mine? Ours are all dead. He had to check and make sure. But again, Pharaoh's heart was hardened. And this is the this is the message, I think, one of the messages that we can get from all this today. God is asking us to trust Him. God is asking us to be patient as He works out His plan in our lives. God is asking us to be separate from the world and not compromise with the world. Because the only way that we're going to be saved is if we completely take ourselves out of dependency on the world and give ourselves complete and total dependency on Him. That's the only way. There's no compromise. There's no holding on. There's completely letting go. So we're going to stop here. We're going to turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great. Look forward to hearing what you've got to say today. So from me to all of you, as always, God bless you. Keep your heart centered on Christ. And we'll see you back here next time tomorrow. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from Exodus chapter 8, beginning at verse 6, all the way through to Exodus chapter 9, verses 1 through to verse 7. So in chapter 8 of Exodus, we actually began to see the judgment of the plagues in Egypt which were directed at the gods of Egypt because it was a land that was full of idolatry. They had over 3,000 gods. So first, we actually um, see the first plague, which customarily is known as the second plague. That's the Nile that was turned to blood. So, you know, the first being, um, which is usually not... um, looked at as a play but as a miracle so the first one was the one being the rod of Aaron that became a crocodile so in Egypt it was you know a land of zoology where they actually worshipped all manner and creature of animals whether it slithered it walked in four legs it flew they worshipped so we actually saw in our study yesterday, the worship of the frogs who were represented by the god Hika. That's the frog-headed goddess. And uh, there was also um, Hapi. And he was um, the bestower of nourishment. And the Egyptians always depicted him as holding a frog out of his mouth that flowed with a stream of nourishment. And this shows the close relationship between the god of the Nile, that's Hapi, and Hika. So Hika is the frog god. So the frog goddess who was, actually sorry, Hika was the goddess. So the frog goddess who was of, you know, the oldest, um, he was, you know, the the, the, among all the gods he was the oldest mother goddess so the goddess 
of fertility and rebirth and uh, patrons of midwives. So frogs were very common in the land of Egypt. So we find this plague of the frogs leveled against the Egyptians. So frogs were sacred and were not to be killed. And this plague had frogs everywhere, you know, in their homes, in their beds, in in their kneading bowls. They were everywhere. So, you know, you can't help but actually think that, you know, how ironic. And God must have smiled because frogs being sacred and they were everywhere. You know, you wake up to, you know, your gods are everywhere. So what what is one to do? So scripturees, um, chapter 8 of Exodus Verse 6, so Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. Verse 7, and the magicians did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs on the land of Egypt. So the magicians could actually duplicate this, and this actually reveals the power of Satan. You know, how else are you going to explain how they actually duplicated it? And this is actually satanic power because in scripture, it actually shows Satan has some powers, you know, even in, in, in the book of uh, Paul in, um, was it in Second Timothy? Yeah, he said, you know, they were going to, there was um, Janis and Jamborees, you know, that gave like strong delusion and made people to actually believe. Scripture goes on to read verse 8. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go, that they may sacrifice to the Lord. Verse 9, And Moses said to Pharaoh, Accept the honor of saying, When I shall intercede for you, for your servants and for your people, to destroy the frogs from you, and your houses, that they may remain in the river only. Verse 10. So he said, tomorrow, and he said, let it be according to your word, that you may know that there is no one like the Lord your God. Verse 11. And the frogs shall depart from you, from your houses, from your servants, and from your people. They shall remain in the river only. So this miracle was depicted by the, so it was duplicated by the new magicians of Egypt as well. So it actually shows the power that, you know, um, evil has, you know, some power that it actually, um, you know, shows to actually deceive um, people. So verse 12 goes on to read, Then Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried out to the Lord concerning the frogs which he had brought against Pharaoh. Verse 13, So the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and the frogs died out of the houses, out of the courtyards, and out of the fields. They gathered them together in heaps, and the land stunk. Verse 15, but when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and did not heed them as he, as the Lord had said. 
So here is you know, a more comprehensive picture of Pharaoh's hardening of his heart. So all that God actually did was actually, it wasn't God who made him harden his heart. God just brought what was already in the heart of Pharaoh out. You know, the rebellion, the pride, he just brought it out. Because Pharaoh was prideful and rebellious and he just had a hard heart. And God just squeezed that um, rebellion out of him. So verse 16. Sorry. Um, yeah, verse um, yeah, so, sorry, God squeezed it out of him. And then Pharaoh, you know, he didn't repent even after, um, you know, um, he had actually promised that he was going to let the people go. And the fact that he was, um, you know, the magicians could actually duplicate what um, Moses had actually done. You know, this plague of the frogs. Verse 16 goes on to read. So the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Stretch out your rod and strike the dust of the land so that it may become lies throughout all the land of Egypt. Verse 17. And they did so, for Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod and struck the dust of the earth, and it became lice on man and beast. All the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. Verse 18. Now the magicians so worked with their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. So there were, there were lice on men and beasts. Verse 19. Then the magicians said to Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart grew hard and he did not heed them just as the lord had said so you know up to this point the magicians were actually able to duplicate everything that um moses was doing every miracle but here they are not able to actually duplicate this particular plague and this actually raises the question of how were they able to do that and um, this also raises the question is, were they fake? So at this point, they were now acknowledging the finger of God at work and God is gradually, um, convincing them that, you know, the Lord is almighty and he's powerful compared to, you know, their little evil and satanic powers that they had. So the plague of lies had to do with the earth God. Uh, Geb. So the judgment brought loathing upon Geb, the earth god, and his closely related to the earth in all of its state. So Geb is the one who made his reports to Osiris on the state of the harvest, and from him came an emission of holy oil in which the backbone was immersed in the work of making Adami. So this now is a miracle that could not be duplicated and God now is beginning to level it against the very life in the land of Egypt. 
verse 20 goes on to read and the lord said to moses rise early in the morning and stand before pharaoh as he comes out of the water then say to him thus says the lord let my people go that they may serve me verse 21 or else if you will not let my people go behold i will send swarms of flies on you and your servants on your people and into your houses the houses of the egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies and also the ground on which you stand verse 22 and in that day i will set apart the land of goshen in which my people dwell that no swarms of flies shall be there in order that you may know that i am the lord in the midst of the land verse 23 i will make a difference between my people and your people tomorrow this sign shall be so you know up until this plague of the swarms of flies it had been on um it had been on the land of goshen where the children of israel were and the number of people were probably actually now telling pharaoh that you know after all even if even the israelites were actually suffering they were also experiencing the same plagues as well as the egyptians and it's actually uh, obvious that this is not from god obviously that's what these people were trying to convince themselves not from god but his it's actually some kind of natural this some kind of natural explanation or maybe one of the gods of egypt happened to be doing this so in this plague now god makes a distinction from here on now none of the plagues will touch the land of goshen where the children of israel are and the judgment will be upon the land of egypt so this is the judgment of the flies or beetles um or as the egyptians call them the saccharops um as they are actually known so many of them are gold um and they are found in the tombs in egypt so they are sacred to Ra'aman, the sun god and to kipara so these are the gods being reached through these plagues these are like their highest gods so god is now touching that which to um the egyptians was sacred you know a place to worship and these are the main gods and goddess of egypt Ra'aman. and at that time it actually causes pharaoh to try to reach a compromise you know some kind of compromise with moses verse 24 goes on to read and the lord did so thick swarms of flies came into the house of pharaoh into this into his servants houses and into all the land of Egypt, the land was corrupted because the swarm because of the swarms of flies. So, you know, the proposal that Pharaoh actually did with Moses here—that's where we actually see now Pharaoh is trying to make bring up like a proposal to Moses. So, the scarabs spoke of eternal life. These flies. So they are found in the tombs today, in the burial tombs, and they are, they were sacred. And this sacred thing was now actually becoming a curse to the people. So 
Sephora wants to actually work out a compromise in um so in total Farah actually made four different proposals four different compromises you know in four different times so here the first we have the first compromise and the first 25 reads the first actually yeah proposal then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said go sacrifice to your god in the land so we have the first compromise and Moses and Aaron said you know they actually wanted to go three days into the wilderness and sacrifice and now Pharaoh says sacrifice but do so in the land and not go out in the wilderness verse 26 goes on to read and Moses said it is not right to do so for we would be sacrificing the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God if we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes then they will not stone us verse 27 we will go three days journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he will command us so this first compromise of Pharaoh is the same kind of compromise that is actually given to Christians today and this is always satanic and it's simply this so you know people just tend to simply tend to look at it like you know be a Christian but don't be a narrow-minded Christian you know don't be a square like a you know just branch out so be broad-minded you know look at modernism today you're trying to attract so many people like just think wider um so it just simply means don't change your life and if one doesn't change their minds then they are not a christian so we actually saved by faith in christ and nothing else you know you may put in the works and all but that won't save you you may be a good person and you're putting in the works but do you have faith so works are excluded but if we have put saving faith in christ it will change one's life and this is where conduct comes in you know if you have that saving faith you know your life is going to change so christianity believes that the life should be changed as well as the conduct but first it's actually the inner man the inner person that should change first and not that outward person so it's not just about your outward works that form you know the worldly things what you're doing outwardly it has to change has to begin from within in order for you to change your conduct so today we have a compromised church that's still in the land of egypt so one can't even differentiate between an average christian and an average man in the world because the church is compromised you know you look at all these um churches today you know you you can't tell the difference between me just hanging out like at a social club and being at a church um you know the way people just conduct themselves people are you know they just say oh you know be happy be free you can go out and party and club and drink as long as you're a nice person you know then you are going to be saved you're still a christian so today we have a compromised church that's actually still out there and you can't really differentiate between um you know an average christian and just an average man of the world verse 28 goes on to read so pharaoh said i will let you go that you may sacrifice 
to the Lord your God in the wilderness, only you shall not go very far away intercede for me. So Pharaoh here comes up with a second compromise, a second opinion, option. And this is not as different from the first compromise. It's just you know, a shade different. Like, just, in, just paused in a different way. So this is the same um, sort of compromise that we actually find um, only today we have a lot of churches adopting the program of the world because they're trying to fit in. So they are very much like the world. And today, you know, one can't actually tell the difference between church today and the social club. You know, you can't tell, you know, is this a church or is it a rotary club? Because you have all, all these clubs that are set up, you know, with a private program. They're helping out. They're doing good out there in the world. And you also find the church is also just exactly the same as the social club and they're actually made up of members who don't really know what it's like to trust christ they just feel you know because i'm a nice person i give and all and that's enough verse 29 goes on to read then moses said indeed i am going out from you and i will be and i will entreat the lord that the swarms of flies may depart tomorrow from Pharaoh, from his servants and from his people. But let Pharaoh not deal deceitfully anymore in not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. So Moses went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. He removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants and from his people. Not one remained. But Pharaoh hardened his heart. At this time also, neither would he let the people go. So Pharaoh here, that's um, verse 32. So read from verse 29 to verse 32. So Pharaoh is hardening his heart and all God is doing is making him actually reveal what exactly is in his heart. So despite all these things, Pharaoh can see but he's just stubborn and he's rebelling and he's hardening his heart even more. So now we get to chapter 9. And chapter 9 we have the fifth judgment, which is the pestilence um, on the livestock, on cattle, the mooring. So I'm going to read from verse 1 through to verse 7. And it reads, And the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh and tell him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go and still hold them, behold, the hand of the Lord will be on your cattle, in the field, and the horses, on the donkeys, on the camels, on the oxen, and on the sheep. A very severe pestilence or mooring. And the Lord will make a difference between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt. So nothing shall die of all that belongs to the children of Israel. Verse 5. And the Lord appointed a set time saying tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. Verse 6. So the Lord did this thing on the next day and all the livestock of the children of Israel not one died verse 7 then Pharaoh sent and indeed not one 
of the livestock of the Israelites was dead, but the heart of Pharaoh became hard and he did not let the people go. So here, by this time, you know, you would actually thought that he would actually soften his heart. He would be impressed and would let um, the children of Israel go. The fact that it was obvious now that God is in is is the one actually dealing with this as his magicians told him this is the finger of God. So the land of Egypt then um you know was a land of zoolatry like we said earlier. So they actually worshipped all manner of of, of of animal, the entire animal world. And here the Apis was the black bull of Egypt and that's the cow. And it was worshipped. So here what we have is the worship of now a sick cow because there's a pestilence on all um, the livestock. So God is now leveling his judgment against this awful institution of idolatry that was in the land of Egypt and had you know, a hold not only on the Egyptians but also on the people who had also gone into idolatry on his people. Okay, so this is our teaching for today. Thank you all very much for listening in. I hope you enjoyed the study as much as I did. God bless you and have a pleasant day. Bye-bye.